Jesus. Please do not lie. To infinity and beyond. Come on, Spider-Man! That's all it is, Miles. A leap of faith. Surprise, Sydney. Welcome back to the Cinemania World Podcast, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Hero Hour Show. This is the show where we talk all things comic book media. I am joined by some guests from the Cinemania World team. First, we have Pat. Pat, hello. How are you, bud? I'm great, Dwayne. How are you doing? I am doing pretty good. It's very nice to have you here on the show, and we are joined from Geekly Goods. And the Cinemania World team, we have Leo. Leo, hello, my friend. Hey, what's going on, fellas? It's been a week since I've seen Black Panther. <laughs> I need to see it again, y'all. But yeah. man, I love it, and I can't wait to dive into it. And why Phase 4 is a great Marvel phase. Just going to throw that out there, but thanks for having me on. <laughs> yeah, it's good to have you here. Uh, so you didn't, get a, you didn't get a chance to do a second screening. You've been kind of busy, though, with all yeah. these other screenings. Yeah, not not lately, yeah. but I definitely want to check it out again. Probably maybe this weekend or mm-hmm. maybe it's Friday or something. There is just so much. I was talking to Larry about this at the box office show. There is like so much content when it comes to movies. And like if you're someone who's looking at the box office and you're like, oh, okay, so Black Panther for the next few weeks. But Oscar move there's no shortage of like indie and Oscar movies coming out like I think yep. this weekend alone is like the menu um I think next week is glass onion this week I believe is is that movie she said which I really want to watch um I think bones and all is also next week the fablemans is in it's next week bones I think, and all too. is this week yeah yeah I think it's like a, it's like a limited release in some theaters this week and then it goes wide Thanksgiving week which is like it's crazy. So there's, there's just a lot of stuff going on. But uh, I'm really excited to get into what we're talking about today, which is Black Panther: Wakanda Forever. Yes, we are not done talking about this movie. This is <laughs> going to be our f- official extended spoiler discussion. We had a big spoiler kind of talk on the Cinemania Live show with myself, uh, Larry, and Hannah. So if you want to check that out on the page, you can. But this is the show where the main focus is going to be the film and just all of our spoilery thoughts. And then towards the end of the show, we'll kind of get a quick little phase four ranking, you know, with Wakanda Forever and kind of discuss that. So with that being said, I'm glad to have you guys here. So Leo was on the non-spoiler review, which was really tough to do because, you know, so we had to refrain from so yep. much stuff. <laughs> Leo was on the non-spoiler, but... I wanted to get uh, Pat. I wanted to get your thoughts on the movie because I feel like you're like the, one of the main ones from the group that I haven't gotten their thoughts on. You know, as far as on air, so I'm excited yep. to hear your thoughts on the movie. What did you think about it? Well, uh, to put it bluntly, I absolutely loved Wakanda Forever. Um, I thought it was an amazing film. I thought, given the circumstances, oh. they did exceptionally well with this movie. Um, yeah, all around. I mean, it's right up there for me, like with the first Black Panther. If not, yep. I might have even enjoyed it a little bit more. I don't know. I haven't really decided, but it was definitely like top tier MCU to me. This felt like a return to like 
the absolute heights of the MCU, which while I've enjoyed a lot of phase four so far, I feel like this brought it back to like that same feeling I would get from like the first Black Panther, like Civil War. Like it felt like that kind of feeling leaving the theater. So it was just, it was a really well-made film. And I just think, you know, with everything that happened uh, with Chadwick, um, it was a very touching tribute to him as well as just being a, a really good movie, bringing in all sorts of new things to the MCU as well. Uh, yeah, I'm really glad to hear that you liked it. I feel like um, it's been kind of divisive, but I feel like, you know, the, the divisiveness so far that I'm seeing on Twitter is like, I'm seeing, I don't know, I'm seeing, you know, people uh, who have seen it kind of and don't like the movie and, you know, the decisions that does happen, if it feels more like, you know, as far as people calling it messy and stuff like that, I can see why people would say that but at the end of the day um i said on i said on saturday's show that i was completely satisfied with what i got um by the end of the movie yeah there's things in the movie where i'm like "Mm," but it's like by the end of everything and i feel like there's a lot of fate there's a lot of marvel movies that are like that not even just phase four but if you mm-hmm. go back to like, like I don't think Endgame is perfect. You know what I mean? I there's right, a lot yeah. of there's things in Endgame that I'm like, mm. but by the end of the movie, I was completely satisfied, especially with mm-hmm. how it ends too, uh, with the final battle, the buildup of the final battle, with the death of Tony Stark, all that stuff. Uh, it feels, you know, it feels kind of warranted kind of sitting through those three hours and stuff. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, so that's kind of how I feel with Wakanda Forever. I love the movie, um, you know, but I can but I can acknowledge that there's 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 like issues with it. But like the good for me outweigh completely outweigh the bad in the movie. Oh, yeah. I, don't, I wouldn't even call it bad. It's just like, you know. Just minor, minor things, which will yeah, which the we'll less get into. strong parts. <laughs> yeah, which we'll like, we'll get into all of that. But like, uh, Leo, how about you? How how have your feel? Has your feelings kind of changed within the past like week or so? How are you feeling? Uh, my feelings haven't changed at all. I am still riding on a high from this movie. I loved it. I can't wait to see it again. Uh, I really just, honestly, I love the decision. Since we're talking spoilers, spoiler alert here. Yes, sir. I love the decision to make Shuri Black Panther when I actually Mm -hmm. sat down in the film. Because I remember going into it, I that was everybody's assumption. And I will admit, I was one of those people, I was like, that just seems too easy. Seems like they're really hinting at it in the trailer. And so... Marvel, here y'all go again with these trailers, man. <laughs> y'all always giving things away. So we had already gone in knowing, and and before I was hoping it was somebody else like Nakia or maybe maybe yeah, even yeah. Angela Bass's character, Queen Ramonda. Please, that would have been amazing. <laughs> man, I I think well, I would have cried if it would have been Queen Ramonda. But anyway, <laughs> I, making it Shuri just through the journey through the film of her grief and that yeah. final nail in the coffin of rest in peace now queen ramonda yeah that was the final push for her to finally put on the mantle and become the Mm. black panther so i think that it made sense for the movie because watching the movie it would have been out of left field for it to be anyone else so i think that this being shuri's journey it really it really was a nice landmark at the end of the movie to make her the black panther i thought yep I completely agree. I remember going into the movie, there was all these, there was a theories as well about people thinking that there's going to be multiple Panthers. Mm-hmm. And initially I was like, okay, that's cool. 
but I don't really, I was like, does that really make a bunch of sense? But uh, I, this is one of those, it's one of those things where going in, I think Marvel was hiding uh, that it was straight up Shuri because I think even they wanted to wait for audiences to see the movie so they can get the buildup. I said, I said uh, on Cinemania Live that I was like, if they would have started this movie off and Shuri's just in the suit, like it just would have been so like, you know how in the beginning, the way the beginning starts, if it would have just been like uh, one year later, Shuri's in the suit and we're just going to start a movie now. And now, you know, it, it just would have yeah. been so <laughs> out of left field for me. And um, I said in a tweet a few two days ago, I said, like, by the like at the point where she's in the lab with the mask. I felt like this was very earned. And after mm-hmm. after like that had to be like what two hours of buildup as yeah, far as easily. like easily. you know, so I was like at that point, I was like, I think this is very earned. I am all for this decision. Yeah. Initially, cause like before I saw the movie, I was like, I don't know who I would put in this suit. But at, at that point I was like, okay, so it this is this is this is Shuri. I completely bought into Shuri in the movie as a star, as a main character, Letitia Wright, like everyone has been talking about Angela Bassett, rightfully so, rightfully so. But I thought Letitia Wright was so good in this movie. I, I just, I couldn't believe how good she was in this movie because in the first movie, she's a, she's a, she's a supporting character. And it's not even like Shuri has a lot to do in the first movie. She's just, you know, she's just a side. She was the Riri Williams of the first movie, right? Uh, she mm. was kind of like, you know, she didn't get brought in into Wakanda, you know, mid midway of the movie, but she was kind of that comedic timing for T'Challa, you know, at like, you know, one of my favorite scenes in that first movie is, you know, her chemistry with Chadwick, but her and Chadwick going back and forth in the lab. And then of course, when she's helping, um, she's helping T'Challa uh, do the chase scene to get, to get claw and stuff like all that stuff was great. So to see her be a main character here, I thought it worked really well and I completely bought into all of it. And stuff. So, uh, Pat, would you say the same as far as like Shuri's character in here and her growth? Oh yeah, just like you guys, I was completely not sure how I felt about the idea of her becoming Black Panther before the movie. Um, I really liked her in the first one. I thought she was a fun character. I liked what little she had in Infinity War, even. Um, so I liked her character. I just wasn't sure if it would feel like a natural progression. But like you said, Dwayne, by the by the time it happened, and I think what they we're smart to do is the very first thing you hear in the movie is her praying to Bast to try to save her brother. And, you know, it's immediately right from the get go. She's trying to save someone she cares about. She, she can't like, it's just out of her power, despite how smart she is. Um, But by the time we got to that scene, when she shows up and drops down into M'Baku's place, like I was, (laughs) I was fully on board. I was like, got chills. The trailer shot, right? Oh yeah. It was so satisfying. And I mean, I just thought the journey she went on as, you know, going through her grief, going through the different losses she had, and then kind of seeing herself and Namor and all that, like it just, by the end of the movie, like I'm like fully on board. Shuri is Black Panther. I'm like, that's, that's perfect. It's really the best option out of all of them. Yeah. I completely agree. I can, I love, um, so I was kind of glad that Marvel didn't straight. I mean, they they were heavy alluding to 
the fact that it was Shuri and what the even with the way the suit looks and everything, kind of like integrating her like face design into the suit. Yeah. Uh, you know, they were kind of alluding to that, and and you know, going into it, we're like, okay, so it's Shuri. But uh, you know, for me, I was just really happy, and I think, and I think the only reason why they put. I, the only reason why they put that shot in the trailer and and then that poster they put the new Black Panther mask is because you know it's the title. It's feel, I feel like they they were probably like you know we have to put a panther like somehow into yeah, like yeah. the marketing Gotta a little get a bit you know that poster exactly. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think that's why they did that. But I think if they could, they would just hold it all back and just say Black Panther Wakanda forever. Just come see what happens, you know? Yep. So I, I thought I thought that, that all was really strong. And that opening is so powerful oh, because, um, like, the, uh, the, the, the AI is, like, she's yelling at, she's yelling at the AI. And at this point in the movie, the little, the, the herb is only, like, 29%. Yeah. And, uh, and even at that point, she's, like, print it, you know? And uh, the 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 AI is telling her. By the way, did you guys know the AI was voiced by Trevor Noah? I found that I out after no I watched the movie. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. That is that is nuts. So, Yo, I did find some gripes though. Through through uh, some thoughts, there was may, maybe I think the Killmonger stuff could have been hinted a little earlier. Not his uh, appearance, but just like her. And and in terms of like the vengeance and just yeah, I think that could have been hinted a little bit earlier, and not that it takes away from it that it was at that point in the film. I just think we could have got there a little earlier with her attitude towards uh, Namor. Also, I do think it would be nice to have it would it would have been nice to see Riri and Namor have a scene together because yeah. he's after the scientist. Yeah, and we never really see him go after the scientist. I mean, he kills Ramonda, but we don't see any interaction. We don't really see. I I feel like if he would have had an interaction with Riri, yeah, it would have helped him in the end realize like, whoa, I'm hunting for a kid. We could have had like a small piece of him just envisioning kids from the Talokan tribe, and that could have been part of why he decided to not continue burning down Wakanda. So maybe I, that's I, why he didn't want to talk to her though. You know, would have, uh, he would have, he would have stopped himself from doing what he thought was the right thing. He's like, let me just go as extreme as possible. Kill yeah, the, I, and yeah the only, the only, uh, the only kind of interaction that they sort of have is like when he's face to face with, you know, Ramonda and her before he mm-hmm. like cracks, try to tries to crack the, uh, the, the, the window to the throne room. Uh, that whole invasion scene was like really awesome too. By the way, so oh yeah, uh, so so that okay. that gets into me my that that gets into my issues with the movie in regards to uh Martin Freeman's character, and I don't I don't <laughs> think he's I don't mind his character because I I loved him in the first one, and I yeah. I think it was cute when they did the callback of you know Okoye is like my favorite colonizer and stuff, and then <laughs> they go and see him. But uh, I I think because of because of like wanting a little bit more from Riri Williams as far as like character because she doesn't really have a scene too when Queen Ramonda sacrifices herself for her there's not really a scene with with uh, Riri regarding you know in, of, of her like talking about that or anything like that and like you know her trying to av- wanting to avenge queen ramonda because she sacrificed herself you know uh they kind of go into scenes with her and shuri uh, but that but that, but that never really gets brought up 
And I think that could have been in the movie had you cut out all of this vowel, this like vowel shit. Yeah, you, that's vowel, my one negative, really. Like, the vowel stuff yeah. and Martin Freeman stuff, it drove me insane. <laughs> And watching it a second time, it made me even more angry yeah. because I was like, why is this in here? And I know why it's in here. And I yeah. said, like, on Cinemania Live, I was like, I know this is not here. I know because of the sake of the film, this is here yep. because this was this had to have been a studio like choice of like, hey, you kind of want to get ready to get to get, you know, beef up this Thunderbolts. Can you put can you put Val in the film? Like it's I doubt, Nick Fury. I doubt. It's Nick Fury and Iron Man too. It's, it's the same. Yeah. You didn't need to be yeah. there. It's just setting I mean, up future stuff. You're just setting up Avengers. I get that. And then this yeah. one, this is that. Her, she's just there so they can set up the Thunderbolts. And 100%. has this been like another character where like they're setting up? I don't know. What's a Phase Four like Blade? I'd be like more excited. But, but I think mm. part part of it is because I don't care about this Thunderbolt movie. Don't care. But <laughs> it's, it's also I mean, I'm excited. Back in our Hero Hour show when the when they did D twenty three, like we like I was taking on that damn movie. But I, I just think this character, this plot, it just could have been cut out. And mm-hmm. the the first Black Panther movie didn't feel like it had any kind of studio mandated plot that was kind of shoved in there. And that's yeah. one of my favorite things about it is that even though Black Panther 2018 is right before Infinity War, like there's not a lot of MCU kind of tie in into that movie besides the Winter Soldier and the post credit. You know, yep. that's really it. So this one, the fact that they were reliant, like, and I didn't even, I wouldn't have even minded if Val just came on that one scene where they're on the bridge kind of investigating everything. I would have been like, fine, okay, you know, whatever. But the fact that she was in it so much into the plot, I was just like, dude, this could have been completely shafted from the movie. So that that whole plot just made me, absolutely like just furious so i i was just really angry at that i think that all could have been cut out you know for the sake of them adding more Made you for, furious like nick yeah. furious <laughs> <laughs> yeah i, I was just angry. so uh before we continue everyone uh so this was supposed to be a four person show and we had a last minute dropout so i turned on the bat signal and we have griffin from the playlist here, Griffin. Hello, welcome to the show. How are you, bud? Dude, how's it going, man? Happy to happy to join y'all here. Uh, can you hear me all right? Am I a little low or a little a low? Little far, a little far. All right. Well, we're gonna boost that a little. There we there go. We go. Hey. Oh, there you go. <laughs> uh, what's up, yeah. Griffin? So we we were just talking about some, you know, the just the evolution of Shuri in the film. And then I was kind of ranting about yeah. Val. Uh, <laughs> real quick, Griffin, what did you think about that whole plot line of like Val and Martin Freeman, uh, you know, Everett Ross and this, but kind of being bunched into this movie. Yeah. Um, it's one of those weird things where like, I, I understand what they were trying to do with it. And it's not that like, it's not like you can just like, lift it out of the film and the movie functions right like they they did a good job of like weaving it in but it was it was one of those things where it's like every time they cut back to it it was uh it it detracted from you know 
everything else that was going on. And so like we, we would just have we you know, we were we would be coming off of a scene with uh Shuri and uh Queen Ramonda and then we go to that or or just like Queen Ramonda like uh uh basically disciplining uh Okoye and it's mm-hmm. like I want to stick with these characters because I'm more invested and interested in in what they have going on uh but we keep cutting back to uh you know the Thunderbolts setup basically oh. uh <laughs> so I I mean like I don't know I I think there's an interesting there, there, there's an interesting thing at play there where it's like mm-hmm. the United States government is uh, going after uh, Wakanda because they think Wakanda, you know, uh, sabotaged their mission to mine the vibra- vibranium. And then you've got like Namor, who's basically like saying like, hey, if you reveal that we exist, we're going to kill you and your people. And so it's like mm-hmm. it, it puts Wakanda in a really uh, difficult place but i i think for me when you when you bring in uh the the united states government like that when when they when they become like an actual player it it kind of detracts from what they were doing in the first film because the the first film you can almost argue that wakanda is a stand-in for uh united the united states in like you know in a thematic sense and and i think now that you've put them in a place where uh that's the 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 allegory is nowhere is no longer there you know kind of like commenting on the race relations and and stuff inside of uh you know inside of the united states using wakanda to do so uh now that the united states is actually at play it just kind of it weakens the allegory a bit more um and it's also weird because it's like namor is the big villain here yeah but it almost feels like the united states should be the entity that is pitting uh the uh talicon against uh wakanda because that that feels more like a you know, it, I, I've seen people say like, oh, it's it's addressing how, um, you know, imperialist nations kind of turn they they they, they have uh, minority groups like turn on each other or stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, that that kind of works. But the problem is, is like Namor is the one who's basically turning. He's like sending Wakanda uh, after the United States government and vice versa and all that stuff. And so it's just like it, it doesn't really like work as well, I think, as it could have. So um yeah i i don't know that that's that's like one of those areas where it like starts to get a bit messy for me uh when the the, all the the cia ross and uh, that that (laughs) stuff on top of just like kind of halting the momentum you know yeah that was just i just yeah because i think you mentioned that they went from that okoye and and queen ramonda scene right into like val and i'm like oh my god yeah and um I think it's going to be really tough as well with these Disney Plus shows and kind of asking the general audience to stay to stay kind of updated with the movies and the shows now yeah, because I keep yeah. saying it like I I've seen the movie 3 times. I saw it again like like early Sunday morning and I what I've noticed every single time cuz each time I went the theater was you know they were all packed all 3 times. Every single time I went, 
and that Val scene come up, it's probably one of the most least reactive scenes in the movie. And it's not even like it's meant. It's, it, I won't even say like, okay, what about every 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 scene is not going to be like a reactionary scene. But the way like Marvel movies do kind of re, they they kind of want to like reveal someone. They, uh, you know, especially when it's like the studio kind of wanting to reveal someone, they just have the same kind of line. They're like, they someone looks off into the ether and they're like, she is. And then you see who it is. And then it was like, and then it was like Val. Like nobody in my theater gave a shit. And all three times I went, like nobody, nobody was like, oh, wow. Oh, woo, ah. And that is like one of the issues when it comes to like requesting your audience to know these characters. Cause Val is from what? The, the, the end credit of Black Widow and Falcon and Winter, Winter Soldier. Soldier. Yeah. So it's like, I mean, in Falcon and Winter Soldier, it's not like 30 million was watching that show. Yeah. That show was yeah. doing about two, like about 2 million viewers you know so it's like i think it takes a lot to try to to try to have the now that you're introducing uh these characters from tv into the film it's going to be kind of difficult and that's not even like a it's not even like a thing where it's like oh here's miss marvel or like moon knight this is like a third tier character from the show <laughs> that they that they try to put in this movie for like a reaction. Like no one cared. Yeah, so I, I said just, this earlier this ridiculous. week. Sorry to cut you off. I said no, this earlier ahead. this week. Kevin Feige actually went into the TV shows right before WandaVision. Remember he said this, you guys. You don't have to watch the shows to watch the movies. And mm, it right. seems more every single movie we get into, it gets deeper and deeper into including that TV show lore in just yeah, with mm-hmm. squeezing in people like Val and squeezing in these minor characters. It's like, okay, mm-hmm. do you really get to skate by the TV shows that well? Because yeah, yeah, people yeah. who haven't watched the TV shows have no idea who Val is. One of my friends was like, what is Julia Louis-Dreyfus doing in this movie? Like, <laughs> yeah, what is happening? No the, idea, yeah, but it's so matter of fact. Like, like yeah. which I kind of like because I, I I hate those moments where it's like hold for applause. This person's mm-hmm. in the movie. Um, so like I appreciate that they didn't do that. Um, and part of part of me is like, well, e- even if you don't know who Val is, you you understand that she's like Ross's boss in the film, and yeah. and like so it's. I, I don't know. I'm of two mindsets. Like, I, I, I agree. I, I think it's a case where, like, it does feel weird. Like, if you haven't mm-hmm. seen the TV shows and she shows up, like, there there is, like, a sense of, like, oh, yeah, we should know who this character is uh, because it feels like they're already pre-existing in this world. Um, mm-hmm. But at the same time, you know, I, I, don't, I don't think you necessarily need to watch Falcon and the Winter Soldier or whatever to understand... Like, 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 for her character to work, um, yeah, yeah, in this film, I, I can understand. I mean, that. she's barely even in the shows. Like, she's only in right. what, like, two scenes of Falcon, and then she's I, in, I, yeah, the graveyard and Black Widow. So, I mean, yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> you don't really, we don't really even know yeah. who she is, even with the show's context. You know? Yeah, just that yeah. she's a government shady person. It, it's such, it's she's such a poorly defined, or yeah, she's such a poorly defined character because it's just like she kind of just like pops in. And mm-hmm. they don't they we we've yet to really get anything about her like like at all. And like I and at the same time, it's like I don't want to see that in a Black Panther movie. Yeah. And I also <laughs> don't want to see that in a Black Widow movie. So it's like yeah. you're kind of stuck in this weird space where it's like, okay, we're gonna keep bringing in this character, but we're gonna keep doing it and giving you nothing about the character other than generic 
government agent and it's like okay cool that's uh, i mean all right whatever she's like evil but that's uh, that's fine i mean so, it's just I, I think here's the thing they wanted this to be like a nick fury like reaction and they're just yeah, not no, gonna get yeah, that that's true. out of yeah, this Lord. character they yeah. haven't set her up enough now if she had been popping up at the end of phase three and at the end of these movies i mean at the end of black widow she doesn't even say to yelena like hey i'm putting the team together no she just sends him at she sends her after clint and i'm just like oh okay it's not like you're even assembling the team we're just here to pop this lady in here and there to cause trouble and kind of you know tickle everybody's fancy until we get all the way to the (laughs) thunderbolts and now all of a sudden you see oh she's been causing all this trouble for this reason it just doesn't work. She's not popping up enough. She doesn't have iconic quotes like Nick Fury did from the beginning. There's no initiative. There's no Thunderbolts initiative like there was an Avengers initiative. But she has a purple streak in her hair. There was, a, there, so was a line, so there, there, there was a line that she... Okay, so here, here's my... Because here, I, I feel like we've been on this topic for way too long because this Val. Like, I, I can't be on this. It's part. bad. So, it's, 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 here. So, it's, it's the worst here, part of the movie here, for sure. Here's like... Here's where I would have accepted this in any other universe, right? If they didn't have to do anything that they had to do, you know, as far as like restructuring structuring the entire movie surrounding the passing of Chadwick, and this was like a normal Black Panther movie, and Chadwick's here, T'Challa, it's the second story of T'Challa, you know, going up against Namor, you know, all that stuff. Now, say she's like a post mid credit or post credit, and uh you know the scene at like her last scene, and, he, and then she just vanishes in the movie when she's like, um, you know, actually when 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 Ross is like, can you imagine something? He says he, he says something like, can you imagine vibranium in the hands of like Americans? And she's like, oh, I dream about it. Like something yeah. like that is a great kind of scene closer yeah. in a post credit. Not in yes. like the middle of a movie, and then she's never seen again. Yeah, set up a like, conflict for later. Yeah. It makes you expect that we're going to get that in this movie, and we definitely don't. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I was just like, okay, like if this is like normal, normal uh, times and normal like consequences as far as the movie goes, I would have been like, oh, that's kind of intriguing. She's got to be going after vibranium with this, you know, rogue team or whatever, whatever. But in this yeah. movie, I just think this all, yeah, that all just could have been. Just, just out of the out of the picture. <laughs> then cut this movie down like ten more, like ten minutes, because I think that's around two. Because even even my mom was complaining about that plot line, in, and because uh, my mom doesn't like long movies, so she kept saying that, that could have been cut out. And I was like, yeah, I think you're right, you know. So <laughs> that's just one interesting thing. So I want to go to another kind of big uh, reveal from the movie, or like a bit not not one say reveal, but kind of like a big moment in the movie. Uh, which is the death of uh, Queen Ramonda. I wanted to ask if any of you guys kind of saw that coming. Or were you, like, what were your reactions to them kind of going there? Because I thought when uh, I thought when Namor kind of blow, kind of like you know, uh, kind of like destroys the throne room, I figured she was got she was kind of like in the for the rest of the movie she was gonna be like in the hospital or something. But uh, no, they straight they straight kill her off. And uh, I do think the scene is powerful, especially with Letitia Wright's performance, because uh, like it's like the way that this movie does silence, you know, like no score, no anything. Uh, and then you kind of just hear reactions to our cast, I think is some of the strongest moments in the movie. Uh, so especially when she's like she's like the, it's quiet and she's the only person you hear. She's just like weeping. 
you know, you know, in regards to her mom. I think that scene was great. So I kind of want to go around, get you guys' reactions to that specific moment in the movie. I'll start with uh, you, Leo. Oh, man, I I cried with her, man. Look, I Queen Ramonda was great from the start, from the yeah. first Black Panther even, to getting a bigger role here. She has been great the entire time, and I've been touting this in my reviews and posts and everything. I was like, look, Angela deserves to be nominated for that performance, in my opinion. She won't get it, but I understand. I think she deserves to be nominated. She was fantastic. She has so much presence, especially from the beginning from the get-go when she's having the meeting with the countries and she brings these guys in and it was just such a fantastic for performance from Bassett that yeah like that hit me right in the chest too and nobody wants to lose their mother but I love what you said about the sound of like how many different times it plays with silence in this movie and I thought it was just so sad now I can understand some that may think that it takes away a little because we already lost somebody in Chadwick. But I think that right. it was just one more thing to push Shuri to become the Black Panther. So mm-hmm. I think that it was pretty fitting and it did give her more men- of a mentor role. Like it gave her more of that mentor mentee role with Ramonda. So I, I hate that we had to lose Ramonda really. I mean, let's be real. Nobody wants to lose her mother, but at the same time, I think it made sense for the movie and for the character of Shuri. I just, oh, it was sad, man. It was sad. Good decision in the movie, but like, mm-hmm. oh, it hurt. It hurt. It, it was it was tough, too. And I was like, that's a really bold decision to make because of, uh, you know, we're already dealing with Chadwick's death. And we kind of had to we kind of had to go right into, you know, the same kind of funeral set piece of like right after her death as well. So. I was just like, yeah, it was a very bold choice, but I, 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 in the moment, in the moment I was very conflicted, but after a couple of watches, I think it's a very, I think it's a very needed choice to kind of get Shuri that, I mean, cause what is one, what is one thing that we, that like, I know a lot of Spider-Man fans were complaining about, including myself when it came to, to, uh, MCU Spider-Man is like, we you know, we, a lot of the, a lot of Spider-Man fans felt like, um, you know, MCU Spider-Man has had really no consequences and no kind of hard things to happen to that, to, to him, for him to kind of have that mantle. And then finally, we finally get that in No Way Home. And I think that's why No Way Home works so well, because at the end, we finally feel like that is Spider-Man. And I think the same thing is with, you know, it happened with Shuri in this movie to where like, that was, that was the thing that needed to happen for her to finally take the mantle and become the Black Panther and not just kind of like a, you know, kind of like, not just kind of like, okay, you're the next because of this. That felt like a mo- the moment where this is, that was her calling card and stuff. So uh, Pat, how about you regarding that decision? How did you feel about that? I was actually really surprised. I didn't expect her to die going into the movie. Um, the actual scene itself, I thought, I liked the fact that we didn't like see her drown. Like you just saw the after effect when they ran in. Cause you got yeah, to kind of see it yeah. from Shuri's perspective. Um, just speaking as someone who like lost a mother unexpectedly at like a young age. Um, yeah. I think it was important for Shuri, like you were saying, Dwayne for development. Uh, you're removing such a 
potent support system for her, especially after um, T'Challa's death and T'Chaka's death. And you see that early in the movie, which I was glad they did. You know, she brings her on a trip to go sit by a fire out in the the wilderness, you know, have a conversation. And now she's never going to get to have those moments again with her mom. So I thought it was really effective uh, for Shuri's development, because now she really has to rely on herself and on the lessons that she was taught and then how they use that where she's trying to get in touch with the ancestral plane and hopefully with, you know, her mom or one of the other ancestors she likes um, to use that for part of her growth and to have that conflict when she's turning into Black Panther, I thought was really well done. And to have, you know, Queen Ramonda show up at the pivotal moment uh, with Namor at the end, um, super effective way to have a character die, but still really mean something going forward. Like there have been times in the MCU, like let's say Frigga's death in Thor, the dark world where yes, it it had plot purpose, but I didn't actually feel it until like 10 years later in Endgame. So uh, I thought it was handled super well. And I I was sad to let Angela Bassett go because she actually, she completely owned the first like half of this movie. Um, But I thought it was important and I thought it was handled really well. And Griffin, lastly, how about you regarding the death of uh, Queen Ramonda? Uh, I agree that it was powerful um, and that, like, emotionally it worked. I mean, like, on paper, uh, I I like everything about it. Uh, it it kind of feels like a holdover from the first draft of the film where, like, that was supposed to happen and that was supposed to have an effect on T'Challa. And I just think the the film is already just kind of like drenched in this like sorrow and sadness. I mean, obviously because of what happened uh, with Chadwick in real life and like the film actively engaging with his passing. I, I really just didn't, I didn't like the decision. I I thought it, it it just, it was a bit emotionally manipulative and it it was just kind of, it kind of felt like in bad taste because you are, they've, it, it feels like they should have used T'Challa's death as the motivating factor for Shuri instead of having that and then killing off uh, her her other character, the other character in her life. It just, I don't know. It 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 just kind of left a bad taste in my mouth that I, I I you know thankfully it was a creative decision that I just I just disagreed with. It didn't really like I just didn't like and it wasn't just like a oh the MCU mandates kind of fucked this whole thing like no I, I I'm happy it wasn't that but it, it's still just like I appreciate it for what it is it led to some very powerful scenes and like it's a great motivating factor for Shuri but I I just didn't think that they needed to go there nor should they have gone there uh given the fact that it's already a movie about the death of T'Challa and Chadwick Boseman it's just like you add that into the mix and it's just like gosh you're just you're just making a bleaker film even bleaker and like I again I understand the purpose and like I it does work I just don't I don't like it or agree with it yeah I was very uh I was very in the middle when it first happened because I was like man this is already kind of pretty sad and stuff I don't think I don't, I don't necessarily didn't want more kind of more I, I guess like how you say bleak you know in the in the film but i think i've come to accept it and uh i think it i think within within the narrative of the movie it's still 
pretty much work. So that kind of that kind of led into the uh, the big uh, unknown reveal that I, I had no idea going into the movie what was happening. Uh, we saw Michael B. Jordan at the premiere, but uh, I, I had already muted everything regarding the movie, including the words Killmonger in case like they were they were going to do some crazy thing where. Um, I saw theories of people like, oh, they're going to go into the afterlife and get Killmonger and bring him to life. I, I was like, that sounds ridiculous. If they do, let me just mute this word, mute this name real quick on Twitter. So his tie-in, and it's kind of poetic in a way because Michael B. Jordan has always been in uh, in Ryan Coogler's film. So I think this is kind of really, really great that he was able to get in here. Uh, somehow um, we went into the astral plane uh kind of scene when sherry takes the herb and we get the reveal that it's killmonger uh there that she kind of she kind of calls and i think that scene was a big surprise that got a reaction unlike you know the other person who tried to get a reaction that actually got a big reaction every time i went to the theater and uh i thought the scene was great I thought it was a really, really nice kind of turnaround to kind of entwist to, I think a lot of us were all, was all expecting uh, either like uh, either Queen Ramonda or somebody else, you know, when, when Shuri went under. So I was really happy that to, to kind of get a twist of it being Killmonger. And I think the reasoning of it, of it being Killmonger when we kind of get into the story of like Shuri's vengefulness being kind of her motivation at the start. Uh, I think that makes a lot of sense because, you know, she lost so many people. All her family is actually gone when it comes to her her father from Civil War, um, her brother, and then her mom. So I, it kind of made complete sense for her to kind of go to dip into the dark side a little bit before becoming the noble Black Panther at the end. I thought the scene was great. I uh, kind of wanted to get you guys' thoughts on that. I'll start with you, Leo, regarding the whole Killmonger uh, sequence and all that. Oh, man, I loved it. What a surprise, man. I mean, we go into this movie, and there's all these reports of Michael B. Jordan being somehow in Black Panther 2. And, you know, part of me was like, wait, did they put him in the suit? That would be kind of weird. But <laughs> I'm glad that this was how he was inserted into the film. I thought, wow, what a pleasant surprise. I like that this is kind of because we can compare Shuri's journey here to the beginning of T'Challa's and Civil War when it comes to vengeance yeah. and wanting to get back at an enemy. But I like that it was like Killmonger that that came up and pushed her into that and told and, and really gave us that difference between both her and T'Challa, calling T'Challa super noble. And I love that that was who she saw because it was just so unexpected to me. I never thought that would, I never saw that coming, but like I said a little bit earlier, I wish that that theme of vengeance of, of, of just not believing in the ancestral plane, which she did say that, but it didn't seem to hint too much. I wish those things came a little bit earlier in the story, just so that way we could set mm -hmm. up a little bit better for that. And again, it's a good surprise. And I did love the surprise. I just think, maybe a little bit earlier with some of the hints and pieces that go to that theme, because it kind of feels like after Amanda's death, the Killmonger thing happens. And then it's just like, Holy crap. Like Shuri wants to, you know, kill Namor. And I wanted to, I wanted that a little bit earlier. 
But I do think that it works, and I do think that it was a great surprise. Michael B. Jordan looks the exact same. He is definitely <laughs> in that Creed three shape. Mm-hmm. He really stole that scene, too. I mean, he him is Killmonger. He just has this presence, this delivery, this this energy about him that is just so gravitational. And every time he was talking to her, I was just like, wow. Like I was in awe. I was almost like, Hey, can we get Killmonger back? Period. (laughs) Just because of how good that character is and how good Michael B. Jordan plays him. I thought it was phenomenal. I love the fire. I like the setup. I like that. It wasn't like he was in the ancestral plane because Mm -hmm. he didn't believe in it either. And I like that they drew some similarities to him and Shuri. I thought that was really well done so i loved it just maybe a little bit earlier with some of the themes i guess the only theme that they kind of they kind of set up where she where she would kind of go that route is when her and queen ramonda at that can't that little bonfire thing before namor mm-hmm. shows up and you know um she kind of talks about burning the world and burning everyone in it it's probably the closest thing to where we get kind of a angry shuri but what, but again yep. if you take take out that vow shit could add some <laughs> <laughs> See, I, I don't know i i feel like she's pretty like i i get the sense that she's like angry throughout the entire film she's like casting blame on, way, upon herself yeah, yeah um for like what happened to t'challa and and yep. such and so it's like e- even before like like yeah the 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 queen ramonda death really only like escalates the like like her anger and her feelings and stuff like that so it's like when she's in that intense headspace and then she goes into the ancestral plane it's like well yeah of course you're gonna see killmonger because you are on the verge of becoming like him but yeah you know by by holding up a mirror to herself uh and it but you know the filmmakers doing that to her in the ancestral plane it's almost like a warning um, and I think she doesn't understand that at first. She she she's like, oh, this is who I am. This this is who I I've meant to be because this is who I saw in the ancestral pl- uh, realm. So fuck mm. it, whatever. I guess that I I will just be this person. And then you can see it, like even with her, like you know, going to war with the uh, with with Talokan and and stuff like that. Um, and. it's just yeah it's it's really powerful stuff and i i like that they make the um the similarities to to killmonger and like the you know t'challa was noble and you lack his nobility uh and and then like t'chaka was kind of like a hypocrite and like they kind of talking about like the 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 past black panthers and how she sort of fits in here and it's like yeah the closest that you can cut that she can uh the closest she comes to to being like is is killmonger because he's another one who's like had all of his his close relatives and family like stripped from him and and caused them to kind of like fall into this like angry angry like rageful almost like nihilistic state to to an extent and um yeah it's it was just super effective because she's very clearly uh, on the verge of becoming that herself. Um, mm-hmm. And j- just like T'Challa kind of was to an extent in, in civil war, which is why I think I thought it was so, it was so great to, to call back to that, that line uh, that oh, T'Challa I had. That yeah. Callback. About vengeance uh, it, yeah. W- w- in regards to like Shuri and, and Namor mm-hmm. and, 
you know, trying, trying to get out of that hole that they're in and not let their own people be consumed by, by vengeance as, as well. It's, it's really great. Um, it, it's kind of funny. Like, I don't know if you guys got this, but it, it, the, the, some of the, the commentary on like vengeance and like a- being angry and, and stuff like that kind of, uh, remind me a bit of what, uh, Matt Reeves was trying to do with the Batman. Um, and it's like one of those things where it's like when, when, what you have caused is sort of like staring you in the face. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're, you're almost like forced to wake up to, to what it is and reevaluate your stance and your, your life and how you're, you're, you're like what it is that you're, you're doing and what you're perpetuating. And I, I don't know. I just, I, that the whole f- like final battle of this film uh, with, with like Shuri and Namor and like the, the, I, I I don't know I that that was it's one of my favorite third acts of any MCU film and it, it's just so so powerful um and I, I saw I, I saw a tweet about this but it kind of had like a um a Martha moment you know there was like a lot of stuff that reminded me of like the climax of BVS and I'm just like oh, this, this is it's interesting there's a lot of parallels to that film I think. I think executed a little better personally. I'm a big defender of, of not only that film, but just like the Martha yeah. scene in general. But uh, yeah. yeah, like I, I guess I guess it's a little cleaner. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, here, that's yeah. how I put it for sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, yeah, and, and and I and I love that, like like you said, I regarding this Civil War callback of like. Uh, it's even the way she says it too. It's the same kind of cadence yeah. and the same kind yeah. of yeah. dialogue. Because T'Challa and Civil War at the end, because like the entire movie, he, the buildup is like he wants to kill the Winter Soldier and then wants to kill Zemo, and then by the end, um, by the end, what he kind of realizes is that you know you got two Avengers in there, kind of trying to kill each other. And then this guy right here has just like lost his way. So T'Challa, you know, his the line of, you know, vengeance has consumed vengeance has consumed you. It's consuming them like, in mm-hmm. you know, regarding uh, Cap and Iron Man. And then he's, you know, he uh, says, I won't let it consume me. And then Shuri here. She says vengeance has consumed us, you know, and then basically she kind of alluded that we can't let it. We can't let it. Uh, you know, consume our nations regarding like Talokan and uh, Wakanda. And I thought that was all really beautiful the way they kind of foreshadowed that, um, you know, throughout these kind of these films when it came to chat to uh, Chadwick's T'Challa and stuff. So I thought that was all really, really, really done well. So um, we didn't talk a lot about the Talokan stuff and the Namor stuff. I just kind of want to get a general thought on just Namor in the film before we get into that mid credit, that kind of mid credit scene and where this kind of takes us. Uh, so, so Pat, your thoughts on just Namor as a whole in this film? I absolutely love Namor. I'm a big fan of like undersea terrors and like undersea civilizations. I'm a big Aquaman comic reader. Um, and I thought the way they handled him and just visually, I thought Talakan was amazing. It felt to yeah. me, I don't want to compare back and forth between Aquaman and this, but it felt more to me like what it would look like under that, like a dark kind of beauty, but also kind of scary. And just the introduction with like the siren song was one of the coolest things I've seen in the MCU. It was absolutely terrifying to watch those guys just step off the balcony and fall to their deaths. Um mm-hmm. 
but Neymar himself, I mean, I thought they they handled him so well because yes, he is the antagonist and yes, he does some like villainous things, but you can absolutely see his point of view, which I think is what makes some of the best MCU villains what they are. It's what made Killmonger so interesting. I think Namor getting a good read on him and what he wants in the world while not going about it necessarily in the best ways was a great way to introduce him because he can be antagonistic. He can be confrontational, but you can see that he is really about protecting his people and protecting his kingdom. Um, And just from like a visual standpoint, I loved how they handled all of his powers. I loved watching like the flying kind of like skipping around the air, like so cool. Loved seeing all of that. I really he was so fast. Too. Yeah, so fast, just deadly. I I can't yeah. wait to see him again whenever that happens. Uh, Leo, uh, same with you, real quick uh, regarding like name, just Namor in the film. Yeah, Pat said a lot of great things about MCU villains at work. It's that there there's a sliver of empathy there in the sense that. They do deep down have a good intention, but they just take it to violent and extreme means, just like Killmonger in the first one. Spreading the resources of Wakanda is a good measure. It's just the means that they decide to take it are violent and extreme. So I love that we have a second villain in this now. I mean, really, we can almost call Black Panther its own franchise within the MCU. Like it really feels separate in (laughs) most cases. Yeah. I just I think that Kugler really nails down villains well in the sense that you can just you can you feel for them. You can feel for their mission and what they want to accomplish. It's just the means they go to it and Namor was no different in that sense. He wanted to protect his nation. He did not want to give up the resources. He did not want his people to be slain like they were above water. So you can get where he's coming from and I thought wow, I I thought, um, gosh, remind me the the Tanosh Tanosh is the pronounced Tanosh Huerta. He was yeah, really, to, really, mm-hmm. really good. I I thought he had so much presence and really just commanded that camera and was brought so much gravity to every scene that he was in. I mean, in the interactions with him and Queen Ramonda were some of the best in the movie to me. He just didn't even really have to say a word, and you could just feel the reason why they call this guy their god. He just had it. And I. another thing, the whole mutant thing, I love how he just drops that he's a mutant. <laughs> there's no hesitation. There's no like, well, I know that I'm different. Well, there's this gene. No, there's no hit. There's no yeah, nudge. Yeah. It's just like, hey, I'm a mutant, bro. Like, So you guys know I'm a mutant. And I love that. Let's just start pulling off the Band-Aid and get into the mutants. So I like yep. that there's a setup here and in Miss Marvel. And this is, I think they're really taking a good step with the mutants by just kind of inserting them here and there and giving us a little bit to chew on here until we get to a team or more mutants or whatever. So I thought that that was a good quality of his character as well. Really like the action scenes. I thought, I will admit, when I first saw the ankle wings, I was like, look, yeah, man, that's not working for me, homie. So but when flaps, he was actually yeah. battling and flying through the sky, I'm like, okay, it gives him the ability to really swim through the sky. And it looked yeah, really yeah. cool when he was invading Wakanda, when he was battling Shuri. I thought it worked in a battle sense, but like when he was just like floating up in the sky. With Especially the when the flashback, angles. the flashback yeah. with the little kid did it, I was like, I was howling, I'm sorry. It's like, <laughs> 
oh man, this is not looking great at all. But it worked during the battle scenes, yeah, so was I was awesome. appreciative of that. Yeah, a good, a cool look and and great battle prowess and just a great villain overall. I, I can't wait to see him again. Yeah, I'm super excited for more Namor, and that's what they kind of set up here too. Uh, plus, we don't need all we can get going up against Kang soon. So, uh, yeah, so we've got about 10 minutes here, but I do wanted to do, I do, I real quick, I wanted to get like a, uh, just thoughts on where Wakanda Forever kind of stands with you guys when it comes to phase four. Right now, I don't have a full list of the entirety of phase four, uh, regarding like TV and just, and, uh, movies, but, I have a list of uh, the movies as far as like a ranking goes. And uh, real quick, I have Na- I have Wakanda Forever right now at the number two spot when it comes to the movies. Uh, I think just after watching it so many times, I just it just really, really works for me. But I still think, I mean, as a Spider-Man fan first, I mean, hmm. you put all my Spider-Mans together and like hmm. it works. <laughs> I mean... I just I gotta like that movie more than anything in the world. So that's still my number one, No Way Home. But I have I have I think within the TVs and the movies, I have Wakanda Forever like right at number two, just because of how much it resonated with me. So I go I go with you guys as far as like where Wakanda Forever. Now that we're at the end of Phase Four, uh, where does Wakanda Forever kind of stand with you guys? I'll start with you, Griffin. Uh, yeah. Uh, real real quickly, just because I wanted to uh, say something about Namor. Um. Namor, I think, uh, is probably my favorite character in the MCU right now. Like, that's oh, how know. incredible um, of a character he was in this. Because yeah. I, I've always been, like, fascinated with him as, like, a comic book character. Because mm-hmm. he's very, uh, you know, he's loyal to his people to a fault. He's, he's like altruistic. It's like, he's, he's very unwavering and stubborn. And it's like, I, and I mean, he's all, and he's got an an ego too, which I, I don't know if we necessarily saw much of in this film, but I'm sure that'll be something that kind of, uh, makes its way into the character. The more we get to, to see him and he can be in films that are maybe a little, uh, less, uh, serious or whatever and whatnot so um I, and i just thought uh Tino Schwerta just fucking killed it man like he was he is so so good um i i i'm still going back and forth between whether or not i prefer killmonger to uh namor i i think the writing for killmonger was probably a, a little stronger but namor is just such an interesting character uh because of the fact that he's he's almost portrayed as a true anti-hero in this film similar to like a black adam to an extent um whereas like killmonger has a point he's he's right in a lot of ways uh but but he's very clearly the villain of that movie and it's like yeah namor is like the villain of this film i i mean i i don't know it's the the his his angle kind of comes down to just like a different like like political differences or just like loyalty to his to his people so um yeah i just god love that character love 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 him want want so much more of him uh sorry i so but uh getting back to your question about like where wakanda forever falls 
for for my phase four ranking. Um, I have it at number three right now. So I have mm-hmm. Werewolf by Night as number one. Uh, oh, that was so good. Moon Knight as number two, which I know some people were like iffy on. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know. That show really worked for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I have Wakanda Forever. Um, so I guess if we're talking about films, it is my favorite film of, of phase four. I just, I appreciate the fact that it felt like Ryan Coogler, like a, like a Ryan Coogler film. And, and like kind of going back to what you were saying, Leo, the black Panther movies are so like singular within the MCU. <laughs> I mean, this one maybe more so than the first one felt like it had, it had to include some of those, those mandates in there for, uh, you know, Thunderbolts or, or whatever, but largely these movies are operating on an entirely different level. They feel like so cinematic. Like I, I, I'm sitting here and I'm watching this and I'm, it, you know, with the first film, it felt like a Ryan Coogler film from a writing perspective. This movie, you have the writing perspective, but now he's allowed to let the visuals also feel like Ryan Coogler visuals. And, and so it, and like the VFX, I was like, Oh God, this is, this is what you can do when you when you allot the the perfect amount of time to get this stuff done and let this stuff look as good as it does. It just I I don't know if there's another movie outside of Iron Man three that feels like like a true uh authorial like stamp uh from from a director. I mean like. Yeah, you get Multiverse of Madness, which feels like a Sam Raimi movie, but it feels like a Sam Raimi movie uh, visually, not necessarily writing-wise. And so it was like clear that they wanted him for his like little visual flourishes. But like this, man, this is just like, give me more projects like this, where it's like the filmmaker is felt in every single frame. And like even if I don't like what they're doing, at least I know it is the intent of the filmmaker uh, for the decisions that they're making. It's just, uh, th- this movie is, for all of its fault, it really is just like a beautiful um, piece and, and definitely the best film in Phase 4. Wow, I was expecting you to say best, but I'm excited to hear that. I think it's, I think it's, I think it's really amazing. So let's go to you, uh, let's go to you, Leo, regarding like where does it rank in your Phase 4 right now? Um, so hold on. I'm actually scrambling to pull up my letterboxed. Uh, <laughs> I know that it fits in like my top three yeah. in phase four. Let me see. I've got lists. Let's go. Okay. So phase four, I've got it at number three. So yeah. the only things ahead of it are WandaVision and Spider-Man mm-hmm. No Way Home. I I loved it, man. I mean, like I said, it took me days to figure out <laughs> Uh, what i didn't like about it to be honest with you i came out of this with my cousin loving this movie so it took me a while to figure out why the heck i do or don't like it so i i loved it man to be honest with you guys i i got it at my in my top three and then in my overall mcu ranking i've got it at like number five or six yeah i've got it at number five. Oh damn right now where it stands oh, i've only overall, seen it once man. though so let me go ahead yeah. and see it one more time before i really <laughs> lock that in <laughs> yeah for for me off of one viewing I've, I've only seen it once as well i i have it at number 12 overall i think oh, overall it's bad. like i think overall it's like either eight or nine 
I have to check Letterbox. But uh, last one I got at twelve. <laughs> Where yeah, so it's like around that area. It's yeah. not um, yeah, it's like around that area for me. But let's go to you, Pat. As far as like, lastly, real quick, your uh. Where this kind of stands for you in Phase in uh, Phase Four? Uh, this is the best Phase Four movie, guys. I don't know what to tell you. It's the best Phase Four movie. <laughs> yeah. uh, Spider Man No Way Home was very satisfying. It was very fun, but like as an actual story, Wakanda Forever easily clears it, and yeah. it just clears Shang Chi as far as movies for me in Phase Four. So, mm-hmm. best Phase Four movie returned to the like the glory days of like Civil War to me as far as like the overall how satisfied i was so i'm very happy with this movie best movie of phase four i uh listen i'm just a spider-man i, I I'm, I'm biased when it comes to spider-man <laughs> i get you i get you so i love yeah, i love no way home but i just i, I can't put it above this movie <laughs> but like here's the thing about no way home like no way home is a fun experience right but yes. like i don't know man i've tried watching that thing at home and it's just like it feels like a product. It doesn't feel like a movie. Now, and like, hold on now. now. <laughs> I'm telling you, man. I just... I, yeah, I don't just, know. It, you see, Griffin, I try to put out the bat signal, and then you just... <laughs> I'm just listen, you Get want to be out. on here. <laughs> I, it's great. Like, there's, there's, there's compelling moments in that film, but it, I just... I don't know, man. I I feel like John John Watts is like a puppet for like the larger machine. Like I, I I just I don't I don't know what a John Watts movie looks and feels like uh, because none of them like like, like feel like movies i guess like it's well i actually agree with that that's why i absolutely (laughs) i actually agree with that sentiment at least that's why i absolutely hate uh far from home yeah um because it just doesn't feel like a a person is behind the camera at all to me at least so uh, listen we'll get into that in in another day i still have i still need time to kind of roast face for a little bit in our next hero (laughs) hour show but with that being said that is it everyone thank you guys for joining us as always i really appreciate it Uh, we'll talk more i'm sure down the line when it comes to the hero hour show we'll talk more about uh you know um black panther wakanda forever i'm sure there's a lot of things that we missed but we can't be here for like i saw some streams on youtube that was going for like four hours and wow. i'm like brother what <laughs> like it was all about hours four hours yeah i can't yeah i can't do all that so uh thank you guys for joining us i really appreciate it stay tuned for more uh, shows regarding just the MCU Phase Four and some rankings and stuff like that. Um, I'll go around and get everyone's social medias. I'll start with you, Pat. Let everyone know where they can follow you. You can follow me on Twitter at this Pat guy, as well as my YouTube channel Agamotto, where I'm going to be doing a video trying to find some good in Thor: The Dark World, and it is a struggle. Oh. I'll tell you. Oh, uh, and I'm very ready to defend a lot of Phase Four next episode with oh. Leo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, all right, and Leo, let's go to you. Uh, let everyone know they can follow you. You guys can follow me at Geekly Goods on all social media platforms. Come on over to YouTube, hit up that search bar, hit Geekly Goods, guys, and it's two G's. Go ahead and hit on that channel. That's me, guys. We got some content coming up. I'm working on a big MCU Phase Four Villains ranked video coming out later this week or early next week, and then I will also be making a video defending Phase Four. That's in the works as well. So come on over to the channel, guys. We're talking a lot of Marvel, a lot of DC, because apparently James Gunn and Peter Safran have a plan. But who knows what that plan is going to be. And uh, hopefully it looks good. But guys, 
if you're around, hit that subscribe button. And Dwayne, thanks for having me on, man. For sure, as always. Of course, man. Uh, let's go to you, Griffin. Thank you for coming in. Uh, let everyone know they can follow you. Yeah, no, uh, thanks for having me, guys. I was glad I was able to make it in for the discussion. But uh, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter, at Griff Schiller, uh, or you can head on over to the Film Speak channel. Um, I should be putting out my video on Wakanda Forever, my video essay on Wakanda Forever, uh, like this Friday or something. I have a, I have a lot to say about that that movie, uh, and it's it's very much just one of those cases where it's just like it's a messy film, but goddamn, when it hits, it is beautiful. So, uh, yeah, you have you can uh, check that out when it drops on on Friday, most likely. And then you can also follow the Film Speak uh, Twitter account at underscore Film Speak, and uh, yeah. Yeah, I think that's about it. All right. And uh, everyone, you can follow me on Twitter at Cinemaniac94. You can follow the podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Cinemania World. Coming up on our side of things, I think there's a, I think after this show, uh, we're going to take a little break for a few days and then get into some of these movie reviews this weekend. I really want to get one out for the menu uh, and stuff. And then next week, for, uh, Glass Onion uh, as well. So uh, you guys seen that for- yet? I Leo did. I sure but, have. Oh, you, know, you have too. I saw. I saw Ooh, your that fit. Was good. I saw your fit for the premiere. I said, "Okay." Yeah, Griffin was a good oh, clean. Thanks, guys. <laughs> <laughs> um. So I will. Uh, all right. So that is it, everyone. Thank you guys for joining us. My name is Dwayne. That was Leo, Pat, and Griffin. We'll talk to you guys soon.